You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is at it again with a new line of lace-up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator Series, there are two models. There's the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator Series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we're going to be joined by Joel Johnson. He's a returning guest, and we're going to talk about something pretty interesting, something that we've never really covered on this podcast before, and that is what our responsibilities are as hunters. And that goes as far as how we present ourselves on social media, in forums, um, and just how we communicate hunting uh, to people who may not like hunting or people who just don't understand hunting and fishing um, and how social media kind of all ties into that. So it's a really interesting podcast, something like I said, we've never really touched on before, but I, I truly believe that we have a responsibility as the minority in this case. There's only like what... I think the last quote-unquote census that was done there's somewhere around 11 million hunters left in the united states compared to the rest of the population that's a that's like five percent of the population that hunts now a lot of people may be okay with hunting but then there's that really loud voice of anti-hunters that are trying to you know stop hunting as a as a, a sport and uh, we don't want that to happen so we got to put our best foot forward in a in a scenario like this and we have just a really good conversation and what this conversation is meant to do is kind of open your eyes open your ears and maybe start some dialogue um, and maybe for you to look back on how you uh, represent the hunting community and uh, all that stuff so like I said, interesting podcast. Now, before we get started, we got to pay the bills here, and we have to send a big thank you to our partner at Bondurant Custom Furniture. If you guys haven't checked out their website, gallery, BondurantCustomFurniture.com, take a look at all the awesome customized furniture that these guys build. Um, like I said, every you know every week, they, they make their 
custom furniture, some of it anyway, out of refurbished whiskey barrels. Uh, they make tables and chairs and artwork and clocks and dog beds. I mean, you name it, these guys can do it. And if you're looking for a, a piece of furniture that is, how do I put this, uh, that you come up with, I guess it's your idea. You run it by them. I'm sure they'll be able to uh, put something together for you as well. So go to their website, BondurantCustomFurniture.com. Number one, take a look at everything they that they make. And then if you have any questions, reach out to them on, the, on their website. You can email them. You can call them up and just chit-chat with them a little bit. And I'm sure they can find what you're looking for. BondurantCustomFurniture.com. All right. We've paid the bills. We've done the intro. Let's get into today's podcast with Joel Johnson. All right. Welcome back, Mr. Joel Johnson. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Dan. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is August, and where is your I'm getting fired up for whitetail season meter right about now? <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm probably... I do. I don't typically do a lot of real early season hunting, so um, I'm more anxious about getting all my food plot stuff done uh, before it gets too late. But I would say I'm, I'm, uh, I've got actually have a head. I'm waiting for uh, to pick up, and so I'd say I'm at a solid six or seven. And in once I pick up uh, uh, that uh, that uh, uh, head from last year from the taxidermist, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to start uh, really cranking as we get closer to September and October. Yeah. I just got my head from last year uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's one of those things where I don't, I don't know what it is about uh, amount. It's almost as better. It's almost better than a picture because I can, I, I look at that mount and I relive that hunt every single day. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And I know they're not cheap, but if, if I kill a deer, I'm going to mount it. I agree with you on that piece. I, you know, it's one of those, uh, my wife gives me, I grief all the time. I can't remember this or that, but I can look at every single, um, deer I have mounted and, you know, I can almost remember to the point where I, 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 I almost remember what it smelled like that day. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, I've gotten to the point now where, um, and uh, not trying to brag here, I don't have a very big house, but I'm out of I'm out of wall space, and so she's put me on a pretty tight uh, <laughs> tight restriction. It's got to it's got to be bigger than my biggest one, uh, uh, or or else it doesn't get mounted anymore. So I've got I've got uh, a few in the house, and then I've got several uh, just you know nice quality deer out, out in my uh, machine shed that are in various states of of either. Um, kind of European mounts or just skull mounts from, from, uh, uh, letting nature take care of the, the, uh, yeah. the hair and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy that you could say it brings back a memory and you can almost know what it smells like. I'm in my office and I'm looking at what I did is I took two lines of barbed wire and I drilled them into the studs and then I hang my sheds that I find off there. And Ooh, that's cool. It's sad. It's almost like, when you were a kid and your mom or dad asked you, man, you know, every lyrics to this song, but you can't do this class better. You can't get a, you know, your, your, <laughs> what, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the lyrics to the song, yep. but you can't get an A in this class. What's your problem or whatever. I can look mm -hmm. at every antler, pro probably almost every antler on this 
ranging from just something that fits in the size of your hand to my biggest one that's like 175 or something like that, or excuse me, a uh, 75-inch uh, side. And I can tell you exactly where I found it. I can point on a map and show you exactly <laughs> where I found it. And it's it, it's crazy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't been very successful shed hunting. It's kind of like turkey hunting for me, but, um, I did, you know, I was actually out coyote hunting one day. Um, and there was a bunch of snow on the ground. We were south of the timber just driving down the road. And, and, uh, you know, I saw horns poking up out of a, out of a snow drift. So I was like, you know, I told my father and hey, pull over, I'm going to grab that. And so, you know, Lo and behold, I reached down in the snow to grab this, and I'm thinking it's just going to be, you know, uh, you know, a 30 or 40 inch side to a to a deer. Oh my gosh! I pull it out of the snowdrift, and it's it's literally this giant, massive, uh, non typical 88 and eight. It scored at the Deer Classic a few years ago. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, that deer. And then that was 10 years ago. If that deer had been shot by somebody. Yeah, we would have known about it because, yeah. you know, even if it was close on the other side, you're talking a, a 200 inch deer by the time you throw in, throw in the spread. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, like I just said, I mean, I know what we were driving. I know who I was with and I know uh, where I found it. And, you know, we were just driving down the road. So it's, it's funny what your, what your, uh, what your mind memorize, uh, memorializes and what it doesn't. That's right. That's right. And this conversation kind of ties into an article talking about memories and what we take away from hunting. Um, you wrote an article in the Iowa Sportsman called Turning Over a New Leaf. Why don't you explain to us what that article is about and and why you wrote it? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it it was about uh, a lot of different things, both both good and bad, right? So, um, you know, when we get when we get done, you know, really January 11th, uh, you know, just after midnight when for the most part, the seasons we all look forward to are over. Uh, you know, it, it, that depression kind of starts to kick in the next day and, and you start thinking about, you know, the tag you may not, may or may not have filled the deer that, uh, that you shot, uh, was it the one you wanted or not, you know, should you have been more patient, you know, the pheasant hunts you were on, how successful you were, you know, what you did wrong, what you could have done differently, you know, even back to, to open water fishing season where it's like, you know, I, I know I only have this many times to get out. Did I use my time to the fullest? You know, what did I see when I was there? What was the experience, et cetera. And so through kind of all of that reflection, it's like, you know, there's some things that, that as sportsmen, um, you know, we really owe it to not only ourselves and our families and, and uh, uh, the people that, that we associate with, but, but the people that we don't associate with, you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there when we think about it, or at least when I think about it, to improve not only um, uh, our success out in the field, but also um, our image uh, and the way that the hunting and fishing is, is uh, portrayed to, to uh, those that maybe don't do much or, or, or do any hunting or fishing. And so the article tried to capture, um, hopefully some of the good and bad and some of the really annoying, um, and really prolific, uh, uh, junk that's going on, especially on uh, social media these days. Yeah. So as a whole, maybe high level, do you think that hunters 
you know, fishermen do a good job of representing themselves uh, online? I would say the, the vast majority do. Um, but those that don't um, create, you know, create such a stir, um, you know, going viral because of something bad that someone said or, or you know, the actions of somebody caught on camera, caught on video, you know, that, you know, even if we're at 99% good, that 1%, you know, that's what gets the, uh, that's what gets the airtime. That's what gets, you know, uh, retweeted or, you know, reforded and, and all that good stuff. And so, um, it, I, I think the, the good and bad of social media is, you know, uh, people are looking for, uh, a story. And so, you know, just being a good outdoorsman, um, and being a good steward of our resources isn't good enough. Um, people want to see that, you know, it's like, it's like seeing a car wreck on the highway. Um, you know, everybody starts looking and, and then they want to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, there used to be a saying that says bad press is all, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. Any press is good press. Uh, do you think that the way these bad apples put that out is, is bad press then for the hunting community? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, I really do. And, you know, it goes, it it go, you know, to me personally, it's, it's, uh, uh, sometimes uh, I would say some folks in the industry, you know, people that are selling stuff, you know, they are selling to certain demographics and they're selling to a certain audience. Um, and unfortunately, um, some of those audiences are not, um, representative of, of, uh, of everybody, uh, certainly folks, uh, my age, I'm in my, my mid forties now. And so, um, depending on who some of our, our, uh, uh, outdoor companies are, are marketing to, um, the message can be, you know, good, uh, better or, or uh, a lot worse depending on, uh, uh, who they're marketing to. Right. So, Whenever you start to criticize someone about, let's say it's a picture, right? Let's say someone posts a picture on Instagram and it's a a picture of them sitting on the back of the deer. They're holding the head up, the tongue's hanging out, there's blood all over. And maybe the caption was like, got her done or get her done or whatever like that. Um, The peep, there's a, there's a group of people say that say, you know what? I'm a hunter. I don't need to apologize for that this is the end result an animal dies what what's your response to something like that be honest that's that's the kind of thing that's really uh uh cringeworthy to me um especially like i said as i've gotten older you know and, and maybe that's that's part of it too is um there is so much emphasis around you know, the kill and being successful and this and that and the celebration afterwards and all of those things are, are fine. Um, but you know, what, what bugs me is, you know, this is a, uh, this is a, and maybe this is, this is partially comes from, from me being a, a bow hunter and that, you know, I invest so much time, um, you know, really all year long into, uh, planning and strategizing and trying to shoot one of these deer. And I have such an incredible amount of respect for, for their senses and, and, uh, you know, the way they've evolved, uh, and, and, you know, 
the hunt, right? I mean, I right. can't remember. I don't think I've ever gone out bow hunting and shot my deer the first day. Yeah. I mean, usually it's, you know, I'm going to have 60, 70, 80, 90 hours into a tree stand or, or a ground blind before I even get my first shot. And so uh, for me, when it does, if it does, I'll come together and I'm able to, you know, able to kill a, you know, a, a deer that would make me proud. You know, I've been matching wits with this guy all season. And so to me, it's, it's no different than, you know, matching, you know, as a, as a person matching wits with, with, uh, you know, an opponent on the field. I mean, you got to have respect for him. And when you're taking something's life, um, I just feel like, uh, um, you know, there should be a lot of reverence for that. We shouldn't be sitting on the back of a, of a deer and, you know, holding the head up, mouth agape with tongue hanging out, blood hanging out. I mean, you know, take, take 30 seconds, um, you know, tuck that tongue in and, you know, drag it over to spot where you're not, doesn't look like you, you just butchered a hog and, you know, then take your pictures. I mean, everybody's going to enjoy the pictures and they're going to think a lot better, especially people that don't hunt, right. um, that are just cruising the internet and, you know, see a picture of a guy and a deer, um, they're going to have a lot more respect for, for you. If you actually pose that deer in a way that is, that is respectful, um, uh, rather than, you know, two seconds after the shot and, you know, we're still high five and, and, and this thing is, uh, it just, you know, it just seems like there's a lack of reverence for, for taking a life. Yeah. So with, with that said, then, uh, I tell you every time I kill a deer, and I take a picture of it. I do my best. I mean, to the point where I, I go buy um, a bottle of water. Uh, some I carry some towels in my car and even a brush. Like if I can find a brush at a gas station, I'll comb it, clean all the blood off of it, uh, and then position it in a way where, you know, maybe the hole isn't, you know, if I, if I shot it through the lungs, there's obviously going to be blood coming out of its nose. If I shot it, you know, there's going to be blood coming out of its side and I do my best to try to clean it up, get it up so it doesn't look so gory. Um, but sometimes I feel that, I don't know. And I'm, I, I don't disagree with you, but part of being a hunter is also, you know, we have to be a steward, but do you think that if I said to you, you know, Hey, we're hunters an animal has to die you got to deal with it. Is that, uh, is that too rough of a way to explain that to somebody? Or do you think uh, a, a comment like that needs to be softened a bit? I think it depends on the audience, Dan. Yeah. I think if you're amongst friends that are hunters, uh, you know, maybe that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy my tags that, you know, that justifies me going out. Um, based on the rules set forth by the state that I'm going to go out and kill a deer. Right. Uh, and so I think the conversation amongst your hunting friends um, is, is one uh, take on that. But I think if you are in mixed company, then it's different. Right. Uh, because if, if I'm the average person that, that all I know about uh, what I buy at the store is, you know, meat is red, you know, beef is red and chicken is white and, and pork is somewhere in between, um, you know, I know that the, the hunters don't have to go out there and shoot a deer. You don't have to, right. You can go buy your meat in the store. Right. 
And so I think, uh, you know, and those are the same people that may have a young son or daughter that might be interested in going hunting. But when we give those people a sour taste in their mouth that, you know, hunters, a bunch of a bloodthirsty, uh, and pardon my, my speech here, but uh, a bunch of bloodthirsty rednecks, um, that are out chasing around and pickup trucks and this and that, you know, when we think about the sports we love and, and the, the decline in, in recruitment and, you know, there's fewer people hunting and fishing every year. Um, you know, it's, it's not really a big surprise. Um, when, when those people are experiencing our sport through that lens, uh, you know, it's not going to be something uh, that uh, they want to get their kids involved with. Right. Let's say in a perfect world, we have the ability to communicate as one voice to, let's say, anti-hunters. And the anti-hunters are probably a really small population compared to, to people who just don't hunt and probably just don't care if other people hunt it's just it's maybe not for them what what message do you think that we need to i guess send as a united voice as all hunters to the the non-hunting public right if you if you were to be the guy who's in charge of the message that gets sent out what does that message say i think Contrary to, to what you see on, at least what I see on the cable, the cable shows that I watch is, um, you need, we need to focus on, you know, everything leading up to somebody pulling the trigger, somebody grabbing a horn off the ground, somebody looking for the deer. We need to focus on, you know, the planning and the strategizing and, and the time spent, um, with, uh, with mentors and, and with, with relatives and, you know, that fellowship and, and really celebrate the hunt and everything that goes into the hunt versus, you know, spending, spending time on, on the actual kill and, you know, and, and really glorifying, you know, where you shot the animal and, and how big it was and, and, uh, you know, posing for pictures and, and, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Joe Blow, uh, you know, outdoor celebrity up, I am paid to go out and, and, uh, you know, uh, kill animals in every, as many states as I can every year. Um, you know, I think if we, if I was going to go approach a, somebody that didn't know anything about hunting, uh, I would focus on the hunt first and the fellowship with friends and family and, and, you know, kind of the, the process of learning, uh, the rites of passage you go into hunting. It doesn't matter if it's deer or, or pheasants or, or squirrel. I mean, every time you shoot something, you're taking a life. And so, um, if we want to kind of reverse the, the trend, um, I think we have got to kind of go back to basics and focus more on, on the sport of it and of, you know, all of the, the things that lead up to actually pulling that trigger for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree a lot because, one thing that really pisses me off the most is when someone starts a conversation with the score of an ant of the buck in the antlers, right? It's just like, Oh, this buck was 250 inches for someone like me. I don't care. I mean, yes, I look at the antlers and I, you know, I'm just like anybody else. Big antlers are cool, but they don't define that experience. I don't think. And I get really frustrated when, 
not only the hunting community, but the hunting industry focuses so much on the antlers when that is, I don't know, it's like you're missing out on something if you're only focusing on a score because when you give something a score then you're you're trying to rank something and when you're trying to rank something you're trying to be better than somebody else and in that scenario and I think you're going to talk about this as well is we're not on the same playing field this isn't basketball where everybody has the same court the same rules right we're we're in different states. We're on different farms. We we have different deer populations. We have different quality of deer, as far as maturity and antler growth is concerned. And yet here we are comparing ourselves to each other when we're not even on the same playing field. Yeah, that's really true. Um, and you know, it, it even expands beyond beyond deer hunting, right? It's like it's like trying to compare. Uh, you know, uh, I'll just use this because it's an easy one. You know, comparing uh, the the size or numbers of walleyes you can catch in Iowa versus the size and, and uh, numbers of walleyes you can catch in Minnesota, right? And so, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's you know, Iowa has a reputation of a, of a big buck state, and it's like hitting the lottery for a lot of out of state people uh, when they do happen to uh, score enough points um, to get a buck tag in Iowa. And so when you think about that, you know, if I'm waiting, sitting here waiting two or three years, uh, even to have the opportunity to come to a state like this, to have such a, a, uh, a uh, uh, kind of legendary whitetail herd, you know, I, you know, I would, I would put a lot of my energy into that and wouldn't necessarily, even though I waited a couple of years, I think people um, get the false expectation that they're going to go to any any farm, I'm just generalizing here, south of I-80, and they're going to have a 150 or 160-inch deer walk by their first day or, or in a three- or five-day hunt. I mean, that's just not the reality. Yeah. Do you think that the hunting media as a whole, and you can categorize me in this if you want, but do you think that the hunting media as a whole does a poor job of representing the hunting community to non-hunters? I think it depends. Um, you know, when I think about the, and I'll just use deer, I'll, I'll beat up on deer hunting some more. Uh, when I think about when I was first getting into deer hunting, I was, you know, 20, 21 years old. And so back in the late nineties, when I think about the outdoor media companies that were out there, I mean, you're, you're, you're really only talking about a handful you had, you know, Bill Jordan and his team, and, and you had Jackie Bushman and his team, um, and maybe a, a handful of others. But, you know, the one thing that always impressed me uh, about those guys, and the Drury brothers can be thrown in there too, is, you know, the, the passion, the dedication uh, to not only what they were doing, but, but the production value of, of their videos for the most part. Uh, these were, you know, class acts you know they were not out there you know to show blood and guts and this and that i mean they were out there trying to uh, educate people on hunting and then you know as as horns have become a bigger and bigger priority of course they've all you know evolved uh, to sell more videos um to, to you know using the the latest and greatest food plot seed and the latest and greatest 
um, you know, equipment, whether that be archery gear or rifles or what have you. But, you know, I think about uh, folks like that. They're kind of the legends in the industry. Um, they've always approached things uh, uh, with high production value, um, uh, with a very um, passionate approach to it, and, and in some cases, you know, pretty spiritual approach where they're still celebrating the fellowship and, and the roots of, of where hunting came from. And so compare that to now where it seems like anybody uh, can put up a YouTube channel or get a, uh, you know, a B or C level uh, program put on, on one of the outdoor stations. Um, and it's, it's completely different. You know, anybody that can buy a camera, uh, afford to buy a camera, uh, can have their hunt videotaped. Right. Um, and unfortunately, um, a lot of those are really poor production value. Yeah. It's really about body counts and blood and guts. And, you know, and then you start seeing, uh, when that stuff takes hold and becomes popular, then even the products start, you know, start getting, crude names, you know, you just go and, and, uh, uh, look through, uh, you know, all the broadhead manufacturers and different names of broadheads that are out there now, you know, you're going to find, you know, it's just, it's uh, kind of macabre actually what they're naming these, these, uh, these heads anymore. So, um, yeah, I would say it depends. I'd say, uh, 20 years ago, things are very much different and very, uh, uh much, uh, much, uh, better produced and, and, uh, uh, a lot better done than they are today. Yeah. So even even with a high production value, do you feel that there's there's media out there that are, you know, yeah, they have great production value, but they're still focusing on maybe the big rack and the unrelatable con- the unrelatable style hunt that doesn't represent a majority of the hunting community. Yes. Uh, totally agree with you on that point. So, uh, I don't know anybody that has a farm up in the Milk River in Montana. Uh, I don't know anybody that, that owns, you know, thousands of acres in, in, in southern Iowa who has, you know, the latest and greatest UTV and, and uh, four-wheeler and, and, you know, hundreds of acres of food plots and, you know, they can just drop everything and, and go and, and uh, you know, see these 160, 170, 200 inch deer every time they go out. Yeah. Um, and so in, in that way, um, and with the money, so much money involved in in the sport now, um, you know, for those same guys I was talking about in the late 90s, for them to continue to maintain their uh, market share, you know, they've got to go out and they've got to shoot the biggest and best deer they can find. And so, um, all of that money, uh, influences, um, what they're trying to do. Um, and it definitely, um, it definitely sets an unrealistic standard as far as what people should expect when they go on an average hunt. Right. Right. Okay. So in regards to, I kind of want to, I want to flip the script here a second and, we we already we all we already know that there's this this group of people who d- don't like hunting but then hunters also have to fight and i wouldn't say it's huge because um i have a social me- or i have several social media pages i have the podcast i get re uh, you know uh, feedback from that and 90 95 99% of it 
is positive. But another thing that hunters have to go up against is other hunters talking trash on social media. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've experienced through that? Right. And, you know, so it, it's hunters and, and it's fishermen too, right? Right, so, right. Uh, in, in an ideal world, you know, I have a sportsman or, or fish brain or, or any of these outdoor apps or even on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, wherever people are, are posting, you know, public um, pictures or stories about, you know, this, this, uh, this outing they had, whether it's, you know, uh, on the water or in the field, you know, I would say for the most part, you see, uh, to your point, 90, 95% positive uh, feedback. But then there's always, always the the people out there that, you know, uh, they can't just congratulate people or they can't just be happy for people's success. Uh, you know, the deer was, was either, uh, was nice, but boy, he'd have been, he'd have been really nice in two or three years or, right. you know, or, or commenting, why would you shoot such a small deer? And, and why would you do this? Or why would you do that? Or, Hey, those, those walleyes look a little short to me. Hey, I wish, uh, I wish Iowa had uh, fishing regulations uh, like this other state because people are, are taking too many fish and uh, you know uh, so all of that garbage um, goes out there and what ends up happening is that it just you know those forms were originally made so people could get on there and, and talk and, and try and improve their own game right if I see right. somebody that's been successful um, uh, I'm not going to ask them for their GPS coordinates at a lake where they caught these fish. I might ask them, you know, what color they were using, if they were using live bait or, or if they were trolling, but I'm happy to go out and explore that lake myself, given what I know about whatever species I'm after. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm all about sharing in the success and, you know, uh, ultimately that's what the DNR sells licenses for, right? They want right. everybody to be successful. They take that money, they go out and they have stocking programs for our lakes. And so when people in our, in our rivers, and so when people get on social media and they're, um, they're, uh, criticizing others for taking too many or, or, uh, you know, and, and with no, with no, uh, you know, an, even anecdotal evidence, like well, what's too many yeah the dnr put handbook right here says i can catch this many i can keep this many in my possession and so as long as i'm within the rules that were set forth by the scientists out there that are using actual data and research and netting and you know electrofishing to determine yeah. the health of these bodies of water then just congratulate me and buzz off you know yeah. um you know, so, and, and that goes beyond just fishing. I mean, you know, like I said, the deer, it's, you always have those guys would have been nice in a couple of years or, you know, that, you know, that, that thing's pretty small looking. Well, you know, I don't know where everybody is hunting or fishing. Right. Right. So if I shoot 130 inch deer and I live and, and I shot this deer up by just making this up, up by Algona, gosh darn it, that's a pretty darn good deer up in the flat country in North central Iowa. Right. You know, if I, if I shoot a 150 and for me, it doesn't matter if I have 150 right. inch deer, 140 inch deer, 130 inch deer walk underneath me, 
you know, chances are uh, I'm going to be really tempted and chances are, uh, you know, it, I'm going to take a shot at that thing. Right. Um, and so, and then, you know, it, it, it's, it happens. It doesn't matter if it's hunting or fishing. It even gets down to species specific, right? Um, you know, you got your musky guys that, that only want the, the muskies handled in such and such a way. And if, if the picture isn't perfect, <laughs> gosh, did you get that thing back in the water? Oh my gosh. Did you keep that thing? It's yeah. like, you know what? It just, uh, nobody, it seems like, uh, uh, you know, that 1% of people, they, they give you the impression that, that nobody should keep a fish. Nobody should, should shoot a deer unless it, uh, you know, meets their, uh, their, uh, you know, they're undefined and in unrealistic standards. So, uh, my advice in the article is just, you know, don't be the know-it-all one-upper, uh, that's criticizing everybody else's catch or everybody else's deer. Just be happy for them. Yeah. And Hey, if, if you're that guy that's criticizing, uh, because you, you don't get out and fish as much as you want to, or you've never caught a fish that big, maybe if you message that person and you're nice, They'll give you a tip or they'll help you out next time you're on the water. Right. Absolutely. So do you think that sportsmen need to do anything different in the way that we communicate? I mean, you've kind of broken it down there, but is there something that we need to do different or maybe walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before we make a comment online? I think you do. You know, I, I, it, and for me, it kind of goes back to, to, to the, my job, right? Send a lot of emails every day. And, uh, you know, over the years I've learned, you know, before I hit that send button, you know, if I read this from whoever's going to receive that, if I read that from their perspective, um, how would it make me feel? Right. Right. Um, uh, and, and then I, if, if, if I feel like, um, you know, hey, you know, that's not really what I'm trying to to say or, hey, you know, that might rub somebody the wrong way. I'll go back and, and modify that thing until it, it really, you know, whether it's two or three revisions or whatever, I try to be really thoughtful both at work and, and you know, when I am interacting on social media about what I'm saying um, because it's, it's hard to, it's hard, uh, it's hard to really interpret uh, lines of text on the screen. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I think we all need to be cognizant of, of, uh, you know, when, when we're using bold and when we're using all caps and when we're using exclamation points and underlining all these things, um, and, and the way that that makes people feel, because ultimately, you know, uh, th- these boards, like I said before, they were made to promote, you know, the exchange of information. Of course, there's trophy rooms in, in every board you go on. But, you know, um, if you go to Walleye Central, for example, I mean, half the time, the, the topic's on there, uh, the, the community, right? Guys are talking about, well, what kind of pickup do you like? Or I had this problem with my pickup when I was pulling my boat down the road, you know, and, and they're getting help and advice from these guys that, you know, maybe that relationship started when they were talking, you know, sharing a fish story or sharing a, a story about a hunt and that turned into Hey, I have a, I have a diesel too. You know, I had the same problem. You know, that's what these forms are for to build community and build relationships um, that, that may, uh, if you're lucky in some cases go beyond the sport and actually turn into real friendships. Yeah, absolutely, man. 
absolutely. I've got a couple of those I can speak on just from, I've never even met these people in real life, but I've formed some kind of a, a digital friendship with them just because they were interested in the way I hunt and I was interested in the, in the way they hunt or the products that they use and just questioning and stuff like that. Now, on the flip side, man, I know exactly what you're talking about when you go into some of these forums. And I, I was on a specific forum, I won't say the name, and I asked a question about arrows, right? Because I was, at the time, I was shooting a real light arrow and I wanted to beef it up a little bit. This was several years ago and shoot a heavier arrow. Well, I went onto the forum and I asked questions like, okay, I'm looking for a heavy arrow. What, what are your recommendations? The first two comments were, positive hey why don't you try this here's the breakdown blah 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 and then after that the third guy was trashing the second guy and the second guy responded and then it just all of a sudden became about nothing that was related to even arrows after a period of time and that turned me off uh, of, of that per, uh, specific forum and as kind of as, as forums as a whole and I, I don't even visit many anymore so mm-hmm. I think, you know, just to kind of elaborate on what you said, I think we just need to chill. Uh, and I always, I always, and excuse me for being blunt, but I always joke about, you know, every once in a while I'll find myself doing something douchey. And I think being a douchebag, you can control that. So it's just like, don't be a douchebag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, totally understand and, and have seen the same thing. And the bad thing is what makes it worse is if you're on a forum where, uh, you know, you have administrators that have full-time jobs and they're only on there certain hours a day. And, and that kind of, uh, those kinds of interactions are allowed to continue. And, yeah. and you know, the the likely suspect every time it, there's a new threat out there, whether it's about hunting or fishing or, or, or firearms, um, you've got the likely suspects every time. Yeah. that you know you're, you're just waiting for it um and then you know if you're the original the op the original poster you know if you end up getting your question answered um you're lucky in many cases because it, it turns into a, a pissing match between um three or four guys or or the same two guys that had beef five years ago on some thread <laughs> um that nobody cares about right. but those two are going to beef every time they see the other guy um, commenting on a thread. Right. Right. Yeah. That's funny. So ending on a positive note here, what do you think we need to do as a whole, as far as the hunting community is concerned to not only put out a better vibe to people who don't hunt, but also a better vibe to, um, other hunters within our own community. You know, I think if for people that don't hunt, um, and I touched on this before, uh, if you're in a conversation and, and, and these people are interested and, and even if they're not interested, maybe they are in a hunting because of something they've seen or something they've heard, um, explaining to them that, you know, yeah, you might've seen this, but you know, that's, that is not the way the majority of people act, you know, and, and this is, you know, these are the things that, that, that real hunters value you know it's not hey i pulled the trigger and i killed this thing and you know it it bled out of both sides and you know it's you know whatever 
uh, it's about all the, the journey, right? You know, my, my dad started teaching us boys how to shoot and how to hunt, how to fish, you know, as soon as he felt like we were comfortable, usually around five or six years old. Right. And so, you know, it's a, it's a journey. And so, it, you, you know, unless you're, it's just a hobby and something you like, but not something, you know, you've built a lifestyle around, um, you know, most people, all the hunters I know, I mean, they could sit down with somebody who doesn't know anything about hunting or something that somebody that has a bad taste in their mouth about it and at least tell them their side of the story. Uh, and I think for, at least I believe, uh, that the vast majority of the hunters, um, in the country have very similar stories and value very similar things. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where it starts is just kind of educating people on, on truth versus perception. Right. Amen, man. And I think that's a good spot to end this podcast. Uh, thanks for taking time to hop on uh, and uh, chit chat, you know, and share your opinions about this and uh, good luck this upcoming season, man. You too, Dan. And, and uh, I'll be in touch. I'll let you know how we do. And that brings us to the end of another Iowa Sportsman episode. Thank you for all. Thank you all <laughs> for listening to this episode, man. Really appreciate it. Hopefully uh, this got your gears kind of turning and um, thinking a little bit about how you represent hunting uh, in your circle of friends and uh, peers. Other than that, uh, you know, if you're not subscribed to the Iowa Sportsman podcast, go to iTunes or wherever you download uh, your, your episodes and uh, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to go to the iowasportsman.com website and check out all the awesome articles that are being posted there, uh, hunting, fishing, and uh, other cool type articles that are uh, that represent Iowa as a whole. And then lastly, the magazine, right? If you're not subscribed, you need to be subscribed to this magazine on top of the website, on top of this podcast, there is a ton of great information that comes through the magazine as well. Really good articles. So, you know, why not just have the trifecta, the website, the podcast, and the magazine, and then you got it all there. So other than that, hopefully everybody has a good rest of the week. Get outside, enjoy Mother Nature, take uh, someone that you've never taken hunt, hunting or fishing before, and, uh, you know, spread the word, share the, share the good news about the outdoors, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.